Thank you for downloading The Tully Show. Now, let's take our relationship to the next level. Please take a second to rate, review, subscribe to the show. If you're listening on your phone, you can probably do it while you listen, right? Don't ask me. I still listen to these fucking things on an iPod. Do it up, and thanks again. Okay, you ready to start this show? <laughs> Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, an internationally renowned comedian, and more importantly, for the purposes of today's conversation, the star of The Jim Jeffrey Show, with new episodes airing Tuesdays at 10.30, 9.30 Central on Comedy Central. Hello, Jim Jeffries. Thank you Hello, for thanks for having me. Thanks for coming by. Are you, uh, I imagine you're doing a lot of... Um, not too much radio. I've, I've been doing a little, you know, morning shows and I, I, um, you know, I did Conan last week and a few things, but, uh, not too much radio. Okay. I like you, radio though. You seem like you've got a bit of a gift for it. Do I? <laughs> I haven't said anything funny yet. Well, I've heard you on other shows. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, I've got faith in you. Jim oh, Jeffries. Uh, someone does. You've got a, uh, you've got an animal with you. I do. I've got my assistant, my assistant's, uh, step grandfather died. So I don't know oh, if she's gosh. that upset, but her step grandfather died. And so I have her dog, um, for a couple of days. And they wouldn't let me in the building because I was carrying a dog, a small little, uh, wiener dog called Lola. Would you ordinarily be the sort of person who would ever be seen traveling with a dog? Uh, I've been dating a girl recently who has a little dog who has a miniature t- a teacup uh, terrier. So, uh-huh. which is, I wish she would carry it more often. But you know, I, I you know, I carry the dog a lot and her bags and all that type of stuff. High maintenance girl. Uh, on the plane? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, on the plane. This yeah. is this is. I a... actually like having the dog on my lap on the plane. Well, I, don't, I don't like people who bring the big dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those support animals. We and when we've traveled, we actually paid for the dog. I'm not I'm not going to uh, lie and say that that I get panicky if I don't have a dog in my lap. The dog has its own seat. No, no, no. Just it's little. T- it's two pound dog. Uh-huh. It's a very small right. dog. Because I don't. I know you like having the dog there. I never question whether or not the person flying next to me with the dog likes having the yeah, dog yeah, yeah. there. It's- well, no, this one that just sits there and doesn't. You know, we're always just sitting in two seats, so we're not bothering yeah. anyone else. Right. I hope not, but I, I do get looks from people who recognise me. I'm carrying a very small dog around, and they think that that's what I've become now. I totally cop to that. That's what I assumed when you walked in the door. I was like, "Wow, can't you can't judge a book by its cover?" Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few there's a few comedians. Who, it's, I think it comes with because Daniel Tosh always has his dogs with him, and uh, I think uh, Dane Cook always travels with a dog. And then there's a, there's a few people who got a bit private jetty. And as soon as you get private jetty, you start yes. traveling with your dogs everywhere. Yeah, I remember I met Jewel in the later end of her run, and she was carrying a little dog everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the the snaggletooth yodeler from Alaska yeah. is 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 no more. This is I, a totally I, different... I worked with Carrie Fisher, and I, I got to take care of Gary a few times. You know, Gary the dog, which was the famous dog she left behind who was with her everywhere. D- did you judge her to be on every narcotic known to man? Um, I, I she was a very nice lady. Wow. 
<laughs> well, good for her. It seems like it sure I, seems she, like she did it her yeah, way. Yeah, I think um, I'm pretty sure she was a little strung out. Yeah. You heard the the autopsy? I yeah. did. I did. When when I worked with her, I, she was she was uh, trying to lose weight to become Princess Leia. Right. And so that was the next job after her, she did my sitcom. And so, um, yeah, I yeah I thought she was a. I thought it was just like Valium or Xanax or whatever like that. But she was definitely af- affected by something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was the whole rainbow. Yes. Good for her. I, I hope I. I hope I have the option of doing cocaine. And she was still. Ecstasy she was still very I'm, funny. Still very funny. That's what I hear. Apparently, she did a bunch of like uh, uh, like punching up scripts, ghostwriting kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. In addition to all the stuff that people yeah, are. She was hysterically funny. Aware of that she did. So um, that's your old show. Now you have your new show. Congratulations on having a show. Thank you, Comedy Central. Do you? feel like uh i don't know if you can would answer this honestly do you feel like you have comedy central's full support because it often seems to me that they just kind of like throw up shows out there and see what um, no I actually i really do i i i had a you know I, I felt with my sitcom from before it was a bit more of a struggle but i feel like um with this show now yeah, comedy central at the moment are right behind the show you know they put a lot of money into the advertising and uh, the, the ratings have been uh, good, not great, but, uh, you know, a, a little bit above what expect was expected. So they're happy with that, you know. So I think that that plays a big part in whether the, you've got the full support of the network. I feel sure. like if your show's struggling, maybe they don't answer your calls as much. But at the moment, they're being very nice. Okay, that's good. So uh, score one for front running. <laughs> yeah, at least no, in this. no. I think, uh, no, I've had nothing but a good experience so far with uh, with Comedy Central, yeah. So uh, Brad Pitt. Yes. Holy fucking shit. Ah, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I got a weatherman. If that's what you're talking about, <laughs> yeah. No, Brad Pitt's my weatherman. I was going to keep that a big secret the whole time and just sort of because we even in the credits he's listed as uh, weatherman as himself. We don't even list him in the credits, you know. And I don't know if that's illegal or whether the the, the actors' union can get into us or something. We just put it right. there. I think we have to wait for Brad Pitt to sue us. So. We'll wait and see what happens there. But the, the nicest man in show business, in my opinion. Just the fucking sweetest guy you'd ever meet. There's uh, an old cliche that I don't know if it's true where uh, very often stars let it go to their head, but very often superstars are people who had so much perspective to begin with that enabled them to get into that situation. I think also, you know, you you can be around it for so long that it might turn itself around. I reckon there could be a period. I think I was... I think I was more arrogant coming up than I am now, you know. Why? Because I've been... Don't, 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 don't say fatherhood. No, I've just been knocked on my ass a few times in this business. Uh-huh. I've just had a few more setbacks, and there have been big setbacks or whatever. And, and you know, when you're coming up, I don't remember many failures. Like, the successes were, I got invited to this comedy festival, and I remember all the other comics didn't, but I got invited to that comedy festival. And that's what success used to be like to me. It wasn't even... Even money or whatever, it was, it was, uh, it was just how fast my career was moving. Of course. And now, like my career sort of plateaued um, for a while there, but it was still good. It was still a good career. You know what I mean? It was a I good mean? plateau. It was a good plateau. I was selling out theaters. I'm still selling out theaters and that type of stuff. But I, I remember, I remember feeling that feeling of, oh, it's not moving as fast as it was. And you know, it's and I also I never really got. Uh, I never had a moment where I got famous overnight. Everything was like uh, the, the next year I was slightly bigger, the next year I was slightly bigger. It was a real sort of grind to get to here, you know. And I am I'm hoping the de- the demise is at the, the demise is at the same speed. You know, because what goes up must come down. I just hope it falls as slowly. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up your demise because uh, I'm curious to know very few people 
achieve the success you have as a stand-up comedian and as yeah. a television personality, but even fewer, obviously, are able to maintain that for decades and decades. Sure. Do you have a sense? I know some su- successful stand-ups who are like, and they would say this privately, I've got three years of being really, really hot, and I'd be a fool to not treat it as such. Yeah, I thought I thought I had sort of three years, sort of five years ago. Um, and then it went, it went slightly higher than I thought it would. But I think... In all honesty, I probably think this is my last shot at television. I think I've had a sitcom that didn't wasn't unsuccessful. I did two seasons, but it wasn't a smash hit. You know, the critics liked it or whatever. So, you know, I've sold a few sitcom scripts since then, but nothing's been made. I don't think they're knocking on my door to become a famous actor or anything like that. Um, and I think this is a real shot at a successful TV show. I think uh, we've only done three episodes. I think I'm all right at it. You know? I agree. Yeah, so like I didn't, I didn't know going into it whether I'd be a good fit. Like, how is it different from from what you do as a stand-up? Well, I, I'm very dyslexic, and I, I hate when people come on and they start talking about like their handicap. I have OCD or whatever, but I'm very dyslexic, and uh, my I was panicking about people giving me a show where I was reading a teleprompt. Okay, and I get I, I was given a shot many years back in Britain to be uh, a game show host, and I couldn't read the questions off cards in front of me. And I thought, oh, this isn't... So I was bluffing my way right up until the pilot. Like, all right, I can do this. And, you know, I basically, when we did the pilot, I memorized a 20-something minute script and just did it like a piece of stand-up. And I thought, fuck, I can't do this every week. Of course you can. And and so I just sit I just sit in my office every day and I, I uh, read out loud, just trying to get better at it every day. And that's like my biggest thing that I was worried about. And then I realized that with pickups and... You know, you can edit it around showing a clip, and then you. So I only have to do it in little chunks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Brando style. Yeah, and so so I look at it like uh, it doesn't matter if it takes me two hours to film a twenty-two minute episode of television. I'll get there in the end, and all the finished product will be fine, and will I be funny and all type of stuff? So I I um yeah. So I was worried about that, and that sounds so silly that I was worried about my reading was the bit I, I wasn't worried about being and you know. Do you, think, do you think you just have to be worried about something, and that's kind of the form it took? I know. I I I do that in my personal life. I have. A, I've always got like you know, if I if I'm stressed out about something, or if there's nothing wrong in my life, I go back to some problem in my childhood or some problem with a friend or whatever. Or I I find myself out of nowhere starting a fight with a girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like I'm going, what did I do that for? Like. I feel like I always have to have one little piece of trouble going on. And I think that's the same with the TV show. I'm always stressed in the office, like, this bit's not ready, that bit's not ready. I haven't had a day where I've sat back and gone, oh, we got this. You know, and then, like, right sort of 30 minutes before when we we locked down the script, you know, completely... And then you go, all right, this is a good one. I think this is good. <laughs> right. Well, you probably need that, that that pressure to give you the edge getting to that point. Well, it's this weird thing as well. And so we recorded on Tuesdays at 1 o'clock, and then it's it, we're, we're out of there by 3, and then it's sent off um, to the East Coast at 7 or something like that, so I can get on at 10.30. So we had dinner. And I, I always go out and have a nice dinner on Tuesdays after we've done the show, and I always get depressed. And it's only happened three times. Every Wednesday I've gotten depressed because... I go, fuck, we're doing it again. And then the the adrenaline, and then Tuesday I'm over the moon once it's done, and then I get depressed again. I feel like this might be the cycle for the next couple of years if I'm lucky. So you you mentioned that, uh, you know, there's everybody has a finite number of chances on on television. You you have chosen a a somewhat challenging angle for yourself, in my mind, for one specific reason, which is Americans 
don't always like to hear opinions on America from people with accents. Well, you'd, you'd think that, but the two most popular shows are Samantha B, who's Canadian, uh, Trevor Noah, who's uh, South African, well, three most, and John Oliver, John Oliver who's British, mm-hmm. and now me, who's Australian, and that's all the shows that are doing this. Like, they can say all the Seth Myers and all that sort of stuff, but they're not. They're a different animal to this. They aren't a news-based show. Right. They're a, they're a tonight show, a late-night show, which is a, a different thing, and they call this a late-night show, but I don't have guests or anything like that. I'm, I'm just doing deep dives into Phil piece and stuff. I think... Um, what I'm doing slightly different from the other shows is I'm treating it more like a stand-up routine. I'm going for more laughs no matter what than, than you know, like John Oliver is very uh, like facts and heavy on uh, a pipe on how we get to, you know. Right. Um, You're not trying to change hearts and minds. Yeah, I don't think I am. I think I'm just trying. And also they're called news shows and that's they're not news at all because we're not reporting. The, the news is meant to be impartial. The news is meant to be people just telling you what happened that week. These are opinion pieces. In the same way that there's like those Republican shows, O'Reilly or Hannity or something like that, it's just a man yelling at a camera. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and the and the thing about it is, the show will be popular um, if it's a it's a very uh, bizarre uh, test on whether people like you. You know what I mean? Like the show will be good if people like me. And if they don't like me, then it won't be good. It's know? not an ensemble. Yeah, yeah, right. it's just yeah. you. The only other cast member in my show is Brad Pitt. I looked at that on IMDb everybody, the other day. Everybody likes him. Yeah, so everyone can't, likes can't him. Can't Pitt. And, and he, he's, he's been a few episodes. He actually, he actually uh, just, um, he said, uh, I, I did an interview with him for Netflix. That, like, he likes stand-up comedy. He wanted someone to interview him. And then, like, my management, uh, I got the same management as him. And then they said, oh, Brad, can you interview Brad Pitt? And I'm like, sure. And then, like, the next day, he texts, and he's like, oh, if you want me to do anything on your show. And so I'm like, all right. And I thought about it for, like, 20 minutes, and I just rang him up, and I went, do you want to be a weatherman? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I like it. Great, great. You know what I mean? So, so it was like all the writers and everything, like, all the staff were like, because I was the only one who had talked to him. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, no, he's coming. He's coming on Tuesday. Right. <laughs> People are waiting for the world's worst Brad Pitt Everyone impersonator thought that I was full of shit. I was like, no, no, he's coming. He's going to come, you know? And so, so yeah, he, and that's, as I said, he couldn't be the fucking nicest guy. And we just we just tell him, I say, can you say this? Can you say that? And he never like, he's just like, sure. Yeah. He's good great. Soldier. Yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. And he fucking... He, he he's like the guy's got like he's bought all these character traits this weatherman character and now we, we've written a whole backstory where he lives and what made him like this and it's like beautiful it's just a weird deep dive. and the the one thing I said when I, I sold the show is there won't be any sketches in it and then episode one two and three I had a sketch <laughs> well the best laid plans right do you feel the upside to being a, is it fair to describe you as a liberal leaning kind of guy? Um, I would say I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm liberal. I'm not a complete lefty. Right, right. I, I have opinions here and there, but I'm, I'm a more of a, a socialist sort of guy. I came from a, I came from a country that had health care. I came from a country that didn't have guns. I, then I moved to another country that had the same thing, health care, no guns. And uh, uh, growing up, like in my childhood, abortion was never a subject that anyone ever chatted about or had extreme feelings on either way. You know, at least in the circles I hung out with, I never heard. Oh, when I was a kid, that's all we ever talked about. Yeah, no, but, no, but I know, like, people don't, but, like, yeah. I didn't see it on the news. There's no national debate around No it. national debate about it's no le- one. Is, is legal? Yeah, yeah, uh. of course. No one ever voted that way or the other. Like, like um, you, you'd never have a prime minister in Australia that had to be believe in God. We've had atheist ones. Right. It didn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine being an atheist president? It, it wouldn't happen. Ireland now has got <clears> a, <throat> uh, a, a, a half 
uh, Indian by background. Yeah. Homosexual president, and this is a country where I believe abortion is still illegal. So that's a deeply conservative Catholic country. Oh, London's got a Muslim mayor. That's right. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I, I, uh, I find it. That's where I'm. I'm more left in the sense that I just grew up culturally different. It's not. It's not a um, a a um, what do you conservative or a. Uh, what's the other one? Conservative or liberal view that I have, and I, I swing on different subjects as well. Well, the reason why I ask is uh, it's easy to see why Donald Trump is good for political comedy. Sure. But is there a downside to Donald Trump? The downside is um, uh, people are so passionate about Trump more than they have been about any other president um, that you start doing Trump jokes, you do lose fans because – you, you hopefully you pick up some other fans along the way, but I get lots and lots of hate mail from people. Who, if you're just going to be Trump bashing, is this show just about? And, and the show's not just about that at all. And like, but even in my stand-up, I do, <clears throat> I do a two-hour show, and at the moment I have a 15-minute routine on Trump. And then if you read any of the view, reviews after the show that people put online, all of them, every single angry one says all he did was talk about Trump. And you're like, no, 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 no an eighth of the show. It was right. about Trump. It was a very small portion of the show was about Trump. But that's the bit that sticks out in their head. So I feel like these people are so passionate about him and they feel set upon because there's so many people who feel the other way. You know, everyone's passionate about Trump. It depends on which direction you're going. Yeah. There's no one who's impartial about the guy. And you've had politicians where people are like, oh, I don't mind. Even Obama, people are like, ah, oh, I don't mind the guy. I like the guy. You know, there's people who really loved him, people who really hated him. But there was people in the middle. No one's in the middle with Trump. No, well, except for the swing voters, which is it, which is it's yeah. so funny that I mean it's a trite point at this point, but every time it comes down to these people, like if you need more than six months to decide between Hillary Clinton and oh yeah, Donald they, Trump, they had that last week. I'm still not decided. I don't care what side you come down on, you shouldn't be able to vote. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this 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 whole thing when they go, everybody get out there and vote. No, 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 not everyone. No, I think it should be harder. Just to vote. people who have been watching the actual news. Yeah. Do you know what's going to happen? But within four to eight years, there's going to be an app. And it's going to increase voters, yeah. and it will have a tangible effect on yeah, the no. political debate because all of a sudden it will be like everybody gets free candy when I'm president. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know. It really, yeah, there will be – you have to register with your phone number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get one vote. Yep. you got to hit it between a certain time. you got to do your fingerprint on the thing. Yep. Off you go. We're all set up for it. Yeah. Uh, are you really oh, – wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's going to happen soon. It's, we're probably on the cusp of it. I reckon eight years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Four, yeah, four would be a little. A little. That would be the clock would be around We would have heard about yeah, it by yeah, now. Eight, yeah. eight years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Are you really in uh, Bill Cosby's old office? Uh, I okay. I'm on Bill Cosby's stage, mm-hmm. and that really, was, yeah, and that was the office building where the where that is next to the stage. I can only assume that's the offices they had because they put the offices next to the stage that the show's working on. Yeah. I have the biggest office in the building. Makes sense. I would assume that would have been Bill's. Right, it probably wasn't I, So what I'm saying is I don't know for an absolute fact, but it's more than likely that was the office that Bill Cosby had. It was the stage they worked on, so it's more than likely that was the office. Uh, speaking of Bill Cosby, what percentage of, I want to say comedians, but really male comedians, do you think are uh, sexual deviants of a potentially criminal nature? Of a criminal nature. Uh, you know Potentially what? criminal. I don't know it's, if it's higher than other occupations. You don't. I don't. I don't think I do it feel is. like, you know, I'm not trying to paint with too broad of a brush, but I do feel like a certain type of 
I feel like well, I don't feel like I'm a I'm a deviant. I, I'm sure that people would put me in the, one of those lists or something like that. I I um I, you know what I think it is. Why it seems that well because c- comedians are they always give that that metaphor of the iceberg and there's 10% of the iceberg sticks out the top of the water and then 90% is below that you never see and that's what a person is and I think comedians are that iceberg flipped up I think the whole skill of being a great comedian is saying everything saying oh this is what I did and then I got my dick stuck in a whatever and you know what I mean so because we're telling all that I got my dick stuck in a whatever stories it makes us seem like we're more deviant now this is the weird thing because the cause was the guy who wasn't telling the dick stuck in the toaster stories Right, and this leads us back to the whole, uh, you know, don't trust a man who doesn't have a vice. I don't, thing. I don't trust a man who doesn't swear. I, I don't trust anyone who doesn't swear. Like, what are you holding back? You don't have to be like a pirate about the whole thing, but there's, you know, do we assume he didn't swear off air as well? Oh, I assume he swore off air. Because I mean, uh, you, but you, I find that even more manipulative that, that you wouldn't swear. That you don't comedian? swear on stage. That you actually censor yourself on stage because you think somewhere along the line that will help your career. I. I you know, because of course we can all censor ourselves. If if you get an acting job and the script has no swearing, then I won't be swearing. You know, I, I I've always found it weird that people always go, uh, "I'll never get on TV." Like my my stand up routine was so dirty, and I'm like, "You'll never get on TV like that." I'm like, "Didn't Richard Pryor be in the toy? Wasn't it Eddie Murphy and Daddy Daycare?" You know, what a load of rubbish! You swear all you want, doesn't hurt your career. Yeah, I actually have heard people say that the the best way to sell out, not obviously that that was your intention, is to come in as the super edgy guy because then you get some heat on you and then people want to... Yeah, I think I think that goes in waves. I think, uh, I think stand-up comedy is like music. I think there's genres of stand-up comedy that are popular at any time. I think the good thing about being a dirty comic is kind of the same as rock and roll. It only goes out of fashion for a couple of years and then another band comes out with a great album. You know, there's never gonna. It's not like, it's not like folk music from the earlier John Denbury type stuff and yeah. Simon Garfunkel that is just really gone now. You know, or even just like having saxophone. You know, everything in the eighties had a saxophone come in. No one's put a saxophone on a track forever. I know. I think about that. I listen to the eighties channel on, on Sirius quite a bit, and uh, in the tandems, the guitar solo making way for the let's take it to the next level saxophone. Yeah. And those things have just gone away. And so so I always found, like, especially in Britain, there was a lot of, in the early 2000s, there was a hell of a lot of surreal comics. These people who were always telling you about norms and, like, fair, like these things about, I was walking along and this little toad talked to me. You know, everything just was like... like a Noel Fielding thing? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Noel Fielding, Russ, Ross Noble, there was a few guys there, and... Uh, they're always comics from the north from somewhere, the north of England. I don't know what that had to do with it. I'm sure it looks like fucking Lord of the Rings up there or something. Yeah. They're but, the most um, elfin people out of the empire, yeah. maybe. <laughs> and so they were th- that genre was very popular for a little while, and I feel like that's sort of gone away. And, you know, I, th- I was reading uh, Steve Martin's biography, and, and what happened, you know, when he came out, the Vietnam, was happen- Vietnam War was happening, all the big comics were like uh, George Carlin, et cetera, and, these were people that were talking about the war and everything was serious and everything was the government's trying to screw you and this is how a thing and it's not right and this is and they were still making jokes and being funny but he came along and he was the bloke that was silly and then the world just went oh I could do with a bit of silly right now and it just exploded because no one else was being silly 
Yeah. And then silly, and then the world starts to get better, and then oh, I want to hear something serious, and then we go back to serious, then we go back to silly, and then we, you know what I mean? Right. Well, and we just, go off to weird. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and when there's good times, you can contemplate bad stuff. Uh, yeah. But when when uh, it's bad times, you go, I've got enough problems without hearing about yeah. somebody else. And that's else's. what a lot of the complaints about my show and shows like my show that people are writing to me is like, I don't like Trump either. I just don't want, I just want to, you know, fucking escape. And it, and it's like, well, you know, a good thing for you is there's 500 TV channels. But they're probably all talking about him. He just sucks up all the air in our conversation. You went to, <clears throat> did you go to Melania's hometown? I did. I went to Melania's hometown in Slovenia. What's that all about? It's uh, just a shitty little coal mining town in Slovenia called uh, Savinska, Savinsky or Savinska or something. What do they, what's the take on her? Um, they, they said, what, you know what I got out of that? Um, I actually liked her a lot more after visiting there. Everyone who went to school with her everyone, was like, oh, she's a really nice girl. She just feels like a girl that came from a boring country, got to be a somewhat model, you know, went, all right, I'll marry a billionaire, it'll be easy life. Like, So you can call her a gold digger or whatever like that. But what I got out of it is I don't think she's particularly conniving or nasty. I, I really think she's just a lady who doesn't want to be in the position she's in now and it's just sort of just where how did my life end up here yeah right i i I actually feel like the more we get to know her the more there's a chance she actually does have like a soul yeah i i'd say and also i think with that accent and with the, the the broken english um i think that it is easy to see her as this icy sort of, and the, the squinty look she sort of gives. Right, never that. opening your eyes all the way will yeah, kind of do that and as so, well. So, but from what I could gather, she she grew up in a wealthy family in Slovenia, but that still isn't, like in that village isn't, you know, you're not rocking it out. Like this is a... I got kicked know. off a train there one time. It was no picnic. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> And so, uh, you know, I just feel like a small town girl who's now the the first lady of the of the most powerful country in the world. It's It's a pretty amazing story, really. Only in America. Well, yeah, only in America. Just yeah, about... Um, she, she can't be president, though. She's not allowed to be president. Right, right. So well, let's not worry about her running in a That's few too bad. Years. Yeah, we will not have a Hillary Clinton situation. No, nor can I, by the way. So don't worry about that. I'm well, just, I'll settle at governor. That's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> um, I know I need to let you go. I wanted to ask you about oh. one more thing. Thank you for asking the, I'm going to say this right, the Azerbaijani ambassador. Thank you for asking him if he jerked off at his desk. Azerbaijani. That's how I say it. Azerbaijani. That's what I've been saying. Okay. Uh, he was the fucking coolest cat going. <laughs> he was a gamer. He was, yeah. He was just, he it, it, like to be a diplomat for Azerbaijan, he hasn't got a lot going on. He was just like, yeah, I'll do it. And he actually watched the final edit of the piece mm. and he said we had he had two jokes that he wanted taken out one of them was the wanking at the desk joke but he asked for another one that was more important to him and we go oh, we'll give you that one if we can keep the wanking at the desk joke and he's like all right and then he watched it on tv and mm. he, he he texted me and said i oh, we all loved it next time you're in washington dc let's go out and have some drinks that's he's- great because <laughs> i've always maintained that that uh it, it, everybody jerks off at work and it only stands to reason that the more stressful your job is the more you are inclined to you know take a Take a Kit Kat all, break. All this guy's doing is every time there's a terrorist attack, he's hoping it's not from Azerbaijan. Right. Right? <laughs> he watches the news and it's like, and the guy was from Iran. All right. I got the day off. Right? Uh, that's right. his whole gig. Strongly condemn and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the only, the only thing he didn't, he let, didn't let me use was we did a thing where I picked up a plate that had a picture of their president on it or prime minister. 
And I said, is this your currency? Because it was like a little plate. He goes, no, no, that's not the currency. And it's like allegedly the prime minister hasn't got a great sense of humor about things. And I'm sure that that guy employs the uh, ambassador. So so he right. said, can you cut that out? And I went, all right. It didn't bother yeah. me. It wasn't that yeah. big a joke. It was just a throwaway thing in his office. Right. I think often the smaller the country, the touchier the ruler. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, no, I think he's a, it's a democratic country. I think he's been voted in. I don't know if we can say the word ruler. But uh, okay, I, I don't know. I think people that, that, that makes it sound like a dictator. Certain I implications. Yes. <laughs> he governs. Gotcha. Let's just say the Fuhrer and be done with it. <laughs> that seems like a politically correct enough term. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time. It's really nice to meet you. Oh, you too, mate. Uh, Jim Jeffries, you are at Jim Jeffries on social media, and the Jim Jeffries show that we've been discussing airs Tuesdays at ten thirty, nine thirty Central. You are listening to The Tully Show on Faction Talk. More to come with Rebecca Johnson and Kimmy Gatewood from the Netflix series Glow after this. Welcome back to The Tully Show on Faction Talk. I am joined in studio by Kimmy Gatewood and Rebecca Johnson, castmates on the new Netflix series Glow. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi, Mike. If... I had asked you if, if for some reason the subject of professional wrestling had come up in conversation before this project yes. came on your radar, <laughs> what thoughts do you think you would have shared? <laughs> the, oh, if you had if just in conversation, we're like, hey, yeah, you want to talk about pro wrestling? Yeah, you I'd got, prob- you get, my you guys, eyes would probably have glazed over a little uh-huh. bit. <laughs> Did you guys catch Raw the other night? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like, we don't really have much in common. Do you want to talk about cocktails? Is what I would have changed the subject immediately. Yeah, when I was younger, I actually watched Glow. Like when I was a kid after uh-huh. my piano lesson. So did I. And my teacher and I. After your piano lesson, you watched it too? Yeah. After, <laughs> after your piano lesson. Oh, yeah. Oh, oddly enough. So you were my piano teacher. <laughs> and um, no, I uh, watched Glow and I loved it, but I also felt like it was inappropriate for me to be watching. So my parents didn't even know that that's what I did after piano lesson. Um, but then I also, my brother was really into wrestling, so I was aware of it and I would watch it. But then... After uh, being a kid, then yeah, I, I wasn't totally, I wasn't totally on board with uh, with wrestling. I wasn't watching it all the time, and yeah. now we're hundred percent obsessed. Yeah, I know my my knowledge of pro wrestling ended around the nineteen eighties. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I watched Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I quoted, uh, you know, snap it to a slam gym a hundred times, and that <laughs> was about it. Who could forget? One of the real creative uh, zeniths of <laughs> <laughs> the entire sport that Slim Jim had. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you go, because I watched Glow and it was really inappropriate for children, as were a lot of things. In some ways, we're like the first generation that was raised, they were not the first generation raised in front of television, but uh, like uh, people are always blown away by all of the classic 80s movies that I've never seen. And the reason I've never seen them is because most people saw them on HBO. And the reason why I didn't see them on HBO is because my parents caught my sister and I watching Porky's for like the 15th time we've seen it. And I was like four. Yeah. That's hilarious. So we learned some brutal lessons from from the television. Used to watch scrambled porn in college. Like oh, we would just turn it on. College, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> not when I was four. No, I no. can recall what my angle was for watching scrambled porn. What were you getting out of that? Watching scrambled porn. I mean, I it became a game. I guess it's just like you know, boob ball, butt. <laughs> I used to and wait, watch. This, it sounded hilarious I, as a comedian. It's oh, absolutely yeah. hilarious. Yeah, when you're watching, like especially the acting scenes. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, you mean sort of watching the acting? Yeah, yeah. When you're listening, <laughs> listening to, to and to watching them. Blobs hump. 
Well, I grew up in New York, and so the cable access, uh, there would be, like, the craziest stuff on, like, the cable access shows. The Robin Birds is of the Yeah, world. yeah. And so, like, I feel like I was young when I caught some of that. And I was like, what? What is this? You know, um, I didn't have a totally different feeling when watching Glow, but I loved it. I just I thought and I thought the character of Godiva was actually naked. So I was like, I can't believe I'm watching someone naked yeah. like, on a horse. There's it's this crazy. one that I remember the sketch comedy aspect, which is not surprising now <laughs> as a comedian. <laughs> but there was also this one match where it was like the cheerleaders versus the uh, heavy metal girls. And they. They, they ended the match with one of the heavy metal girls sucking on the toe of the cheerleader and she wouldn't let go and they tried to get her off and she wouldn't let go so they took both of them off in a stretcher like together. still toe in mouth so, and I remember thinking like this is the greatest weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life well and that's the defense that I'll always make for professional wrestling I've taken an interest here and there but there's just I was talking to somebody else about this very recently uh, might have been Jim Jeffries. What? It, it, there, there's nothing else that is as prominent in our culture that it is as completely bizarre. Yeah, it is bizarre, but it you is. Know? You know, it's it's a soap opera. Yeah, they with say it athletics. in the show. Yeah, and it's it's really like now that I understand. Now that I really understand it, I'm like, you know, for so long when I was a kid, there were always fights. Like, is it real? Is it fake? It's like, well, it there's a story, but then the athleticism is very real, and it's in it's thrilling to watch and it's kind of like watching like Cirque du Soleil like you know these are trained <laughs> acrobats right they're n- probably going to be fine oh, we really had to dull down our Cirque du Soleil moves you yeah. know, for the show <laughs> so sorry right the Eggman like, isn't really yeah. an Eggman yeah. when he goes home <laughs> But like watching that, you're like that. Part of what's fun about watching something like that is you're afraid, you have that danger factor, and it's the same with wrestling. You're like, oh my god, are they really going to get hurt? And then you really can dive into the stories, and the storytelling is so fun if you just if you just you know get invested to it. It's like reality TV, but yeah, much cooler if you're yeah. comfortable with broad racial stereotypes, which Glow trafficked in. Oh, to, oh I yeah, mean, and eight, they still do eight, now. They, in, uh, they still wrestling. do. So yeah. 1980s on a, on a you know frankly exploitative show like. Glow. Yeah, I, I watched a couple of clips to refresh my memory, and uh, there's like the Egyptian lady. She's yeah, like, Egypt. I'm from Egypt. Yeah. Oh yeah, little little Egypt. Yeah, yeah. and there was, was Spanish, think, uh, Spanish, Spanish red. red is just yeah. a white lady. <laughs> <laughs> Palestinian. Oh yeah. Which is we have a character kind of based on her a little bit, where it's like inspired by. Yeah, you I know? mean, and we deal with that on the show on our Glow, and also, but we deal with it like head on, you know, like mm-hmm. stereotypes. It's like addressing that there are stereotypes in wrestling and it's not just wrestling because it's definitely in the rest of the world of entertainment it's maybe just totally um in your face in wrestling but yeah those stereotypes exist in all of entertainment so i feel like on our show glow we get to like actually explore that i'll also add that the stereotypes are kind of calling out what's obviously happening in society, but it also makes a great story. It's like God versus the devil. There's no in between. It's just like good versus evil. And there's one fight that Rebecca and I did in episode seven where we had to play the worst humans on the planet. And uh, we had a really hard time <laughs> with it. And um, we just kind of looked at it that you're playing the you're making your partner look really good because you're playing a really, really bad person. Well, I mean, you would not be uncomfortable playing a, a hateful villain in like a, a play or something, I would assume, right? No, but I think because our characters were like comedic 
Can we say what it is? I guess we could say what it is. Yeah, you know, actually, I haven't made it far enough into the oh, series okay. to get to your characters. Can, can you tell? No, you can. We can I, tell I, you. I'm happy to be spoilers. spoilers. What are your, what are your so wrestling we, personas? So we, in episode seven, we had to play Ku Klux Klan members okay. as and, wrestling and characters. And we had to fight the two, the two black characters. And so our characters, our normal wrestling characters are the beatdown biddies, which are two old ladies. And Kimmy and I are comedians. Like, in that's what we do. Like, we're comedians. So we, we get cast in the show. We get to be, like, crazy fools. And then... Then it gets to episode seven, and they're like, and now you're playing KKK members. And it just became like our having you know, to put on those hoods and ropes was really disturbing. Right. And it ends up coming across really funny. funny because we just had fun. We basically play the most cartoonish version of the KKK, sort of like if we were like in Rocky and Bullwinkles or something. Like we were like so over the top and had fun playing these villains, like a super villain. But it also made the other girls look really awesome yeah. because they beat the shit out of us or whatever. Yeah. So. Just and about anybody funny. looks good yeah. when compared to yeah. <laughs> fighting clansmen. Yeah. Yes. So we ended up having kind of an incredible time doing it. But yeah. because are we're normally playing you know these old ladies and then Don and Stacy are so over the top that it was uh it was like when we got the script for it we were just like what yeah yeah but I mean to your point you know to play a villain in a play is fun to be yeah. the bad guy that's another theme of glow you know yeah. the, the devil has the best lines right yeah, yeah I got that far yeah, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> which it's true I mean maybe not like a KKK member, your lines are horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> right, but but Darth Vader is bound to be more memorable than Luke Skywalker. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Uh, is it fair to say the show has, I don't know if feminist is the exact right word, but it's in the it's ballpark. The right okay, no, all right. right so, yeah. so the show has a feminist. <laughs> there was just like a boo from the radio. <laughs> Sorry, <right>? listeners. <laughs> but totally check it out. There's, yeah. there's also chicks fighting uh, dressed up as Klansmen. I mean, it's right. got something for everybody. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I'm wondering from, I think every guy who uh, is a thinking person and every person is, is constantly reevaluating their mores in these rapidly changing times. If I were making a television series about glow that I wanted to have intended to have a feminist bent, I would not have had nudity in the locker room scene in in the first episode and I wouldn't have felt compelled to show toplessness in a sex scene that's also featured in that. How can you have it how can you have it both ways? I don't think showing our bodies is not feminist. I think that the way that it was like Allison's sex scene is it's not through a male gaze. It's not for the male gaze. It's in it's fact, not like it's like close ups of her hips and she's not body, like which is usually what it is. And she's like the hottest person. And like but it's it's shot very real. You know, her tits are flapping in the breeze mm -hmm. and it's not like they shot it like a normal, like a normal show where it's to make you titillated. I feel like that it's shown in a realistic way. And there's a scene where Rhonda, uh, played by our friend Kate Nash, is just take, she's just changing. She takes off her shirt. And then one of the other characters is like, how do your boobs say so perky? And honestly, that just speaks so much to us as women, like how we have conversations with each other about our bodies in a very real way. And it's not so that someone will be, you know, turned on by it, but it's, the, it's showing the, just the reality of it. I, and we were all talked to about it. I, yeah. I mean, we, we were all kind of under contract to show our pubes and stuff, you know, and it was a real but struggle, that was a, but that was something that it we, was a conversation. Yeah. And, you know, I, I did have this question because somebody just got a comment about their boobs which is bound to happen, right? And completely objectifying them. And I think it really got me thinking that 
feminism and nudity can live in the same world. It's just showing that the people watching it are like that you can't help but just like like male gaze, male gaze, like boobs, like there's something that turns off and the conversation is going to change. And I understand that, but it's still I think it it you should still be able to be naked in a show and still be feminist because we're not nuns. Yeah, and it's right. made by women, and so mm-hmm. uh, like women made it, so it's not like a man. It's it's different if if the showrunner and the creators and they were all men, like the real glow, and like and if they were like take your tops off, right. you know we that's need such ratings a different or whatever. Thing. Um, and I've never been nude in anything, and. I'd say this would be the very first thing and maybe the only thing that I would ever do that. And I, it was very like, I was really nervous that I was going to have to be naked all the time. Well, Liz and Carly sat down with each of us and said that the only reason that anyone would be naked is because the scene calls for it, like in the locker room or whatever. But a lot of times it just didn't. Mm -hmm. And some, you know, when you watch some shows and people are having sex and like women are wearing bras, it like takes you out a little. Because you're like, I mean, some ladies might wear bras all the time when they have sex, but it just feels like, oh, you can tell she's wearing a bra because she didn't have that extra nudity rider that said that she would take her top off. Or, you know, you could shoot (laughs) at creative angles, but if you want to shoot it in a certain way, it looks realistic and it ended up you know we were we weren't nude but we wore spandex for four months and honestly like no bras no bras (laughs) and i went to on vacation um right after we shot it was the first time since i was like 16 years old that i was comfortable in a bathing suit and i don't have a perfect body but i just was like oh i don't give a shit you know so i think in some ways it was empowering yeah there's something to be said for just getting reps you right. just you know, at a certain <laughs> yeah. point you you lose you lose your shape. <laughs> yeah. I, if I can keep picking at the same point, though, I had the Please. same I had the same thought about um and okay, so I understand the show was is only loosely based on on glow, so it doesn't really matter if this reflects what really happened. Sure. But w- when you're into you're clearly several days into the training, and women are still so reluctant to even pretend to like feign violence toward one another, it seems to me that maybe on the first day that's totally understandable. But if you decide to come back day two, day three, you know that you are clotheslining. And I, I guess that the, the simple math that anybody does is it would it would that fly if the if the gender roles were reversed? If guys were showing up for day three of wrestling, would they be like, ooh, I don't know if I want to hit him? Of course not. Yeah, probably not. So does that not say, well, why why wouldn't women have that same gung-ho attitude? Am I, I barking comes, up the wrong tree here? I think it comes from the truth. Because if you watch the documentary about Glow... Have you seen that one? Have you seen the documentary? No, I'm planning to. Okay. So the the all the women, like they thought they were auditioning for a kid's show. They were like a lot of them. And they were models and actresses. And so much like us, who are not models, but <laughs> we're comedians. No, no, no. Models. Yeah, we're gorgeous. But um, <laughs> it's but, in the title you of the know, show. We, we came into this experience having the similar feelings to the characters on the show, which is like, yes, we're going to do this, but it also it's fucking scary to. Th- Can I curse? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to throw yourself on the ground and to hurt, and you don't want to hurt each other and hurt yourself. So even though we were, like, I think you're also board. there's a there's an innate thing that we're all trained to be kind and gentle, girls specifically. Be nice, wear a dress, this and that. There's things that you have to like. There's a double untraining that you have to do. You got to get, you got to be ugly, you got to be messy, but you also have to wear spandex and do your hair and put glitter in it. You know, it's like a lot of like mind fuck. And when we were starting with really wrestling, like Rebecca mentioned, there was a bit of a caution, truly, because we didn't really want to hurt each other. And then they said, you have to 
it's not gonna you're not gonna sell it unless you really go for it yeah they'd be like kick me like like yeah. the stunt people you, you know and they're like or they were just trainers by the coach. way they yeah. didn't they, we did our own stunts, but they had stunt people there training us as well to keep us safe. Yeah, we trained for four weeks before we shot. And so our wrestling coach, Chavo Guerrero, would be like, just hit me. And I'd be like, ah! But that's legitimately how I how I felt. And, like, I'm, you know, when, a I powerful mean, woman. When you hear, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we were both worked at bars for many years. And uh. there was just so many dumb fucking fist fights between men. Very rarely did I see a, a woman in fighting another woman. And if it was, if they did, they got dragged away by big, strong men in 2.5 seconds. So it's, it's just like, I don't know. It's a lot of unraveling, I guess, that you'd have to well, do. Well, there's a difference. There definitely is a difference between men and women just because it's, uh, you what's, know. What's the main one, though? Uh, eye I, color? Uh, eye color, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's a difference. So it's a, just because it's a female story doesn't mean that it has to be told in the exact way a male version of the story of would be told. Sure. And even the actual glow women, when they were trained how to wrestle, it was much rougher. They were much rougher on them than like our, like Chavo was nicer to Kimmy and I and the other girls than they were to the glow woman because they wanted to make sure that we were going to, you know, be able to do this for four months. And and it wasn't about performing, you know, in front of a crowd, you know, right. Millions of shows and stuff. Well, and also because it's a, it is a kinder world in general, at least in entertainment, yes. <laughs> something that's striking about the show is uh, did, uh, did Mark Maron smoke? He had to really be smoking cigarettes. Right? They weren't, they weren't they were real, real cigarettes. They were oh, really, they were well, those, for him. like, I mean, I think he, yeah, yeah. I mean, but he had to have a lot of those. Yeah, because I know he would have been tempted. I listened to the podcast enough to know that he would have been tempted. So he is, um, it's amazing how comfortable he is saying what he is thinking about the um, actions and more, maybe more importantly, appearances of the women that he is looking at. I know you weren't around Glow in the 1980s, but mm-hmm. do you do you get the sense that that may have been what it was really like? Yeah, yeah. the the director on the original Glow was always was saying like you know your ass is fat. Yeah, you're yeah like he'd make, lose some weight. Yeah, they were very very like and they also made uh whatever they looked like that's who they played and so like making people be racial stereotypes making fun of their bodies saying like are you sure you need to eat those fries like they, and they really did shack up in a hotel and live together so that they were kind of like under like some kind of sorority weird sorority where they had rules yeah they weren't allowed to hang out the girl good girls and bad girls weren't allowed to hang out with each other in real life and they had to be in character all the time or they'd get fined well see that i can kind of defend because there was one time when two guys got picked up for i think there may have been drunk driving and they were WWF guys in the, in the 80s, right? Uh-huh. And I forget who, the, they were two big guys. Yeah. And they were guys who had his ongoing like beef in the ring. And you're like, no, wait a second. There's no way those guys were on a road trip together. That makes no sense. So. <laughs> it is funny. I, a long time ago, million, billion years ago, I was a stand-in in a movie. I was a stand-in for a 14-year-old boy when I was 19. And um, one of the guys who was in the movie was a wrestler. And I just kept being like, so you really hate each other? Like, I'm an actor. Why am I even asking? I'm like, so you really hate each other? And he's like, no, we're all friends. And I was like, what? Like, it's yeah. so confusing. Yeah. You're ruining this for me. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny. It's kind of like LARPing a little bit when you do right. wrestling. Like role-playing all role-playing the time. Role-playing games. Uh, okay, Live action yeah. role-playing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's exactly what it is. And now, do you feel like how different is the world in terms of, I'm assuming you audition for lots of things and you've been reviewed for different things. 
Is the world really all that different in the way that women are talked about behind their back, i.e. in print or online, or to their face compared to what would have been happening in a glow-type situation in the 80s? I think it's a little different. I think that um, people are... There's still a lot of sexism, but I think that people maybe aren't quite as upfront about it. Um, right. I know. I remember going in in New York. I went in for this, like, there. you know, we used to get a newspaper backstage and look at the auditions that were there and you would just see an open call and I would go to one and they said they were looking for musicians like sexy musicians or something so I was probably 20 21 and I went in and like like a cute dress and then I walked in and it was just a really seedy place and he's like I don't think you're right for this <laughs> you're I mean not he the was sexy we're talking about yeah <laughs> kind of he like looked at my chest then had me turn around and I was like whoa <laughs> this is a real thing well when I first moved to LA I got my headshots taken and um this was like eight or nine years ago and while the lady was taking my pictures she was like if you toned up you'd get a lot more work and like <sighs> Jesus. That's like the worst thing to tell someone right when you're taking their fucking pictures. But also that was the that's the difference between like when we booked Glow, like Kimmy and I they told all of us, Don't don't lose weight. Like don't lose weight. We mm-hmm. want your bodies how they are. And I've never heard that once. Right. And it was and I I, uh, I really saw them on that and I ate all the craft services and gained five pounds <laughs> and they didn't care. Yeah, that's <laughs> the problem. Everybody is supposed the camera adds ten pounds and yeah. craft services adds another five. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I was fifteen it. pounds up by the end of the shoot. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Anytime I've been in a set of a TV show, it's like these people. What are you doing this? Because it's only here because of the the high profile people. If it was just the extras, they would yeah. have. But it's no, really for the crew. Sandwiches. It's for the crew oh, because okay. they eat all day long right. and they it's need cons- to. It's like you're at a wedding mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like six hot meals a day. Six yeah. weddings. I know we all need to eat, but do we need dessert with every meal? <laughs> no, except, <laughs> yes, it was the dessert was so good. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I'll say that for the Teamsters. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you indicated that, I think you indicated that you have taken an interest in in wrestling. So let's just say... Theoretically, there's like a gym where the pros and wannabe pros are training that's like on your corner. Are you are you going there on a regular basis if it's available to you? Oh, no. Not I me. I would go to watch. Yeah, I wouldn't maybe go, go to, to train. But I'd go to watch. I went to watch an amateur. It was sort of amateur wrestling uh, show. There were some pros and then there were some students. And like even kids were wrestling. They were incredible. It was this place called House of Pain. And it was amazing and so exciting and it was such a small it was like a small crowd and and i would go every weekend i seriously would go watch wrestling every weekend but i would it's like legit what they do you know we were like very well taken care of but i don't know if i could really get the shit beat out of me every day honestly it's real real tough and i just want to i want to be able to like you know walk around and jog in my in my uh, old lady loafers or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I want to be able to like give my son a piggyback ride without being like, no, mama's knees hurt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Professional I know. wrestling is probably not for everybody. Yeah. yeah. But watching it is awesome. No, I, I did and do it. for the show. Yeah, I did do it in a music video for this uh, rapper, Open Mike Eagle. He was like doing yeah. a wrestling video. And he was like, well, I want you to be in my video. And I said, well, if I can wrestle, I'll do it. Because, I mean, it was <laughs> so they fun. They had pro wrestlers there, yeah. and he was going to have her be a dancer. She's like, no, I'm wrestling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, there's a comedy wrestling show. I forget what it's called. But 
I mean, I would do that. That would be fun. Yeah, right. and but we can't dangerous. wait to get back in the ring, Ugh. like for Glow, if we're if, if there's a season two, because it's like the type of wrestling we do for that show is real wrestling, but it's also like you know we make sure that we're we're doing things that aren't gonna um, murder us. Right, right, right. It's, you got some training wheels on, Though, and it's gonna get but it is, more amped up. I don't, yeah, but we'll learn I slowly. We don't have to learn in like one day. It's also like you're doing it so many times. Um, wrestling, you're gonna be fighting for thirty minutes straight, so that is a skill to be that have that cardio. Uh, but for ours, it's doing it like doing the match eight to ten times in a row and trying to make sure that you're back is safe your neck is safe because you can get whiplash from all those back bumps if you yeah don't, if you get tired that's what hulk hogan always said i guess it's his back or whatever it is it's messed up on him yeah. is he's like well i used to i used to do leg drops uh what does he say seven days a week and twice on saturday yeah oh. <laughs> yeah it's I like mean, being in a broadway show only you're, yeah. you're getting physically abused well yeah our wrestling coach was like i've been in pain for 18 years like that's how long i've been a professional wrestler because oh you're always you know like after every time we'd have wrestling training I'd have two ice packs on my knees. Sometimes we'd have like a, you know icy hot on our like being rubbed on our necks, like you know. But then you go next day, wrestle again, wear some heels for a scene. Like it was fun. <laughs> Fourteen belts, you know, it was the eighties. Yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> uh, one last thing. Um, so Glow is set in the eighties, but um, you were identified in uh, a, a previous work with a different era, the nineteen forties. Yes, <laughs> um, as the Apple Sisters. Now, yes. I'm I'm a, a, a I'm a fan of that of like old Hollywood and stuff like that. What what is so fun about playing that era? Uh, I I have such a fondness for the 1940s. When we were coming up with the idea for the show, um, you know, singing and dancing. In I mean, it's obviously there's many musicals, great musicals out there. Crazy Ex Girlfriend and Glee, all those the musical shows. But uh, to sing on stage, unironically seemed like 40s was like the best style music because you can really just go for it and be cheesy and real sing like full-on song and dance whereas today you might not dance as much you know it's a lot cooler but well and um, there's three of us um mm -hmm. sarah lowe is another one of the apple sisters so we created this group 10 years ago and we just all loved singing and dancing and the and and the it's 1940s so also there's stuff that's going on politically then that was hitting us 10 years ago that we can filter through the 40s and so when we started george bush was president mm -hmm. and like we were able to filter political there was a war going thoughts. on yeah yeah i enjoyed the uh, this is fdr you're walking around all the time yeah president. yeah 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 paul f Tompkins plays fdr and i yeah. show all the time um yeah so we got to filter like you know political things through the 40s we got to do slapstick comedy we got to wear red lipstick sing and dance it was just like marks we drew from time. the marx brothers lucille ball mm -hmm. uh andrew sisters there was something very big and silly which may may come across corny i think in 2017 you know a little bit i think that's yeah. fair to say yeah. yeah but with the 40s it gives us that permission to, yeah. to make to do puns that. and you know really get get messy when it, in in a kind of a cutesy way because our show is very messy our live show we blow bubbles uh, we do a song called pink wine and then we spit corn at each other for this bit this commercial called corny yeah <laughs> Why? I don't know. <laughs> I just it seemed love, funny. <laughs> I love the attention to detail, like the gimbals. Is, oh, yes. Is that, that I had great aunts who shopped at gimbals. Oh, like, yeah. That's a very specific thing. My mom thing. worked there. There you go. She was an assistant buyer in the 70s. <laughs> Those were the days. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time. 
Thank you. And uh, best of luck. The show is I mean, it's going to be renewed for second season. I think that's fairly obvious. You probably already know that it has been and just Good thing because I just brought your contract that you'll sign giving us a season two. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, yeah. Mike. <laughs> if you, you could put in a good word at Netflix for us. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I've Bring got, us back, please. I have got crazy pull. Don't worry. I'll make a phone call <laughs> as soon as we're done here. Thank you. You're at Kimmy Gatewood, at Hello Rebecca on all social media. Yes, and Rebecca is with two Ks. That's right. And uh, Glow, streaming now on Netflix. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.